0: Oh man, I was chatting and saying hello to everybody and uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't fade this to, to make it go live. Oh my goodness. Good morning everyone. It is so good to have you with us today. Uh, we took a couple weeks off. Uh, I had a, a staycation because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. And uh, it's so good to be back with you. Uh, today we're going to continue on in our series, What is Hell and the reason we call it what is hell instead of is hell real, um, because there's enough people who talk about that. And if you're seriously interested in hearing about this topic, then these four conversations are really good. I think we have two more that are potentially booked, and I think you'll you'll enjoy that. Um, so let's dig into uh, the conversation with Richard and Bill. If you, uh, again, if you did not watch part one and two or three, you need to go back because we're unpacking the system of thinking about this topic we call hell Uh, most people don't realize they they do have a belief in it like you may say well i don't really have a belief in hell yeah you do Uh, either it doesn't exist or it's whatever you were told in Sunday school or whatever your particular church tells you it is Um, if you're a minister or a preacher or a, um, a person of the clergy you have come to study a little bit about it but usually it is what you have been told it is. If you haven't done your own due diligence and dug deeper, um, we need to explore this because this is one of those secret underlying themes that guard or yeah guard and guide our conduct in life. And um, it, it kind of um, directs the course of our conversations with other people. It also has the us versus them mindset built into it yeah it's exclusive not inclusive this is this is a mind-blowing topic so um let's if you haven't gone through the parts one two and three uh please do but you can still listen in today this is still good you'll pick up a lot um but i think next time we may i'll talk about it later so let's let's just dig in because this is this is gonna be so so good uh let's enjoy this conversation Here here we go all right Welcome back to Still Growing Grace. I love the conversation from last week, uh, two minutes ago. Um, (laughs) But uh, Richard, start again with what you just ended with, and then uh, uh, Bill will jump in.
1: I was just, yeah, I was just talking about, uh, you were talking about how the vine passages is misinterpreted and how it really talks about lifting the entire thing up, not throwing it in the fire. But even the other one that's talking about the branches, about uh, that, you know, the unprofitable branches that are cut off and thrown in the fire, that that colossus is the idea of which is punishment the word for punishment in the new testament was originally a word about pruning so that fuller growth may occur and that, that passage in john jesus is actually saying the branches are removed so that so that uh, a, a growth that is from god can come for what's left and that's we we are, we are the plant we're not the branches we are that we are the plant. that jesus is is obviously the life that's that's in us but he's talking about letting us attain growth, which is from God. He's not talking about throwing us in the fire, just the unprofitable parts of us, the barren ideas and the barren notions and the barren impulses and the barren thought systems that we operate up, things that make us sick and low functioning, all those things so that we can have
2: fuller growth.
0: The stuff that isn't even us to begin with. Yes,
2: exactly. Well, and that's, you know, there's really, and I think this is a good segue, you know, in a, in a small regard to, to this idea of punishment, hell, Jesus, vengeance, all these kind of, you know, judgment, justice. The, the truth is, in, in Jesus's recorded life that we have, there, to my knowledge, there are really only two what could be considered violent acts from Jesus. First is the purging of the temple, and there's a lot of stuff going on there, and I think that's a good one because I think there's so much to unpack right there that it kind of is, is a beautiful allegory of everything we're describing. And, and in, in tandem with that is the cursing of the fig tree. The, it's to my knowledge, the only thing that Jesus encounters that, that withers and dies. Everything else that Jesus comes into contact with, that has sickness or death,
0: comes back. And people are saying that that, that story uh, doesn't make sense because he's cursing his own creation. How does that work? Yeah. Right?
2: So I think there's two things, you know, uh, you know, I, I Richard, I, you had you reposted something that I know you've written longer ago, but that, that just recently I saw it and I just I I really appreciated it. It's kind of renewing spirit over me and the idea of Jesus going in and you know, lacing left over right, making this whip and um going out and you know, throwing down with the money changers and there's probably a little bit of Negative. That same negative imagination we talked in the last section about going on there, we, we fail to use the positive side of our imagination to understand what's going on there. Number one, Jesus is specifically fulfilling prophecy. And I won't get into the, the, the details of that, but if you ever study the Passover week, there's a process where you you meticulously, as an Orthodox Jew, go through your house and you take out every tiny scrap of leaven. You use a little whisk brush, literally, and you take all the corners of your house and you sweep so that because the law prevented you from having contact with leaven in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so Jesus is is literally performing the the fulfillment of the prophecy mm. that's found in the law of the prophets in this act of cleansing the temple that's with a, cool with a small corded whip and he's literally brushing out
0: not people the, not people he, he,
2: well he he, he he brushes out the the impure uh, sacrifices and he does kind of kick out sure. the, the, the the den of robbers right so there's that thing going on so that point to that is there is a significance to that event prophetically that was very intentional moreover i think richard what happens right thereafter
1: well yeah uh, well yeah. Right, yeah well you know, it,
2: it, you know soft one
1: thanks, <laughs> hey, brother do tell no I, I do have some strong feelings about this incident because they're right behind they're right next to each other yep first he does the victory and actually i, I think the victory doesn't die right away it dies later no, but in the next day in, in between the time he's gone to do this temple incident. So he's just prophesying what he's 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 giving a human uh, a human allegory of what he's about to do. And he goes now he, he curses the fig tree. And it's like I when what I wrote, I was saying, you know, if you if you if you would tell me that Jesus killing a weed, because remember, this fig tree was not functioning. It was already dead. It was functionally dead. It wasn't bearing fruit. All right. So, so he, for him to curse it is to allow what to happen in its place, full of growth. So then he goes, so then he goes uh, to the temple and does that. Now now get this, the cattle that he, that he, that he pushes out of the way, they were about to be killed. Okay. They were about to be slaughtered. The the cattle get to live another day now. (laughs) So I don't really think you could get very far saying he was violent. He was saving their doggone lives. And as we know elsewhere, he doesn't desire sacrifice.
0: So if you know, there if there sacrifice. were mules there, he was saving their asses.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. And uh, but Bill's Bill's comment leading up to it was was what took its place was that once they got ushered out of the way, then the kids started coming into the temple and started praising God with a perfect mm-hmm. praise. All right, people don't they miss that part of it? There was a huge praise service led by children in the wake of these faults. In, in, in the wake of these barren uh, fig tree Pharisees that were in there, all right? Jesus removed them. They were unfruitful. They were barren. They are the fig tree. The whole thing was pointing to that so that he can re- replace it with something that is fruitful. So that's what that whole thing was about. It wasn't about anybody getting yeah, about anybody getting hurt or him being violent. You know, he, he was clearing it out for the kids to come in. Now, come on.
2: <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 that's that's the picture of justice and so he goes back to the fig tree the next day and it's withered and died and I, you guys may know this i i'm have, yeah, i'm sure you have uh mike read Red eve
0: uh you know, no i started to but never eve? finished it
2: oh my goodness i it's one of it's such a good book i don't know richard if you've ever read eve by william paul young uh, if you haven't it's it's no. it, it, it takes a minute to get going it really does you got to get this character development stuff if you haven't ever read it but the, the, the epilogue on that book has, has a really interesting kind of tidbit in it, and it's true. When you look back at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, right, they eat from the tree of the knowledge, the fruit of the evil, they, they, their eyes are uh, open to their nakedness, right? We might call them, they actually are blinded to the God, love of God, right? So two things are happening there simultaneously, and that they're shamed, and they hide, and they sow, you know, clothing out of the leaves from a fig tree. Fig tree. Yeah. Fig tree. So there's a Jewish perspective in this. And that's long. See, Westerners, what what's the fruit? Come on. Everybody says what the fruit is in Western culture. What is it?
0: An apple.
2: Apple. What? Apple. Yeah. No. See, Eastern culture would have seen it as a fig tree. That they covered themselves with the leave of the trees of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, this is allegory. Let's you know keep this open-hearted and open-minded. But the idea that a fig fruit—I you, you, love figs. My uh, my grandfather used to have a huge fig tree at a, at our farm that I used to go to when I was a kid. I'd go out in the woods and shoot a 22 rifle at ten years old, completely, you know. That explains uh, unsupervised. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> unsupervised, right? Different age and time. It was great, but when there were these fig trees. You get a ripe right fig right off the vine that was almost right on that edge of like. Probably only a day or two away from turning, it's at its most sweet and it's most delectable. But you can't eat a fig; you you can't eat a fig without consuming its seeds. You can't. It's, the entire fig is it's it's so packed with seeds that you can't eat a fig. And so, is that what the grit is? That exactly, yeah. So the idea of a fig tree is it, it's impossible to eat it without being affected by its. It's root, right? It's seed. And so the idea that the fig tree represented the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which brought death, is a huge component of this story, too. So when Jesus is cursing the fruitless fig tree, there's an image going all the way back to the garden. The, The coverings that were insufficient for their nakedness from the fruit that they consumed, Jesus is cursing the thing that brought that disconnected, alienated mind of humanity and it withers and dies. It's the only thing that Jesus speaks a word to that dies in the entire narrative.
0: I am it's so stealing one, this.
2: The one thing that, that gave us the impression that we could be separated from the love of God.
0: Mm. That's incredible. I that preach it, man.
1: And really, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, some people will use that as um, I had a, a guy once that that passage, cursing the fig tree, Paints Jesus as Stephen Seagal, who goes down and wipes out the temple, you know, of all these things. And I and I was thinking. So let me get this straight: the fact that he pulls up a weed, that which is essentially what the, that fig tree was—it was a was weed. You know, nobody would have commented had Jesus pulled up a weed at some point here in his life. You don't think his mom had him, made me go pull out some weeds one time? It's weeds are not, you know. And I understand you can make a philosophical argument for whatever, but uh, but we're talking about a weed. You know, Jesus, killer of weeds. Is that your best argument? You know, I tell people, if I were a lawyer and I tried to produce it, Jesus was a killer of humanity based on him pulling up a weed or cursing a weed, that would be
2: pretty weak. But when we see this idea of justice, just like you just said, pulling up a weed, well, that's restoring it. That's, that's making room for other things to grow, Exactly. Right? exactly. exactly. All of a sudden, mm, Say that stores. again.
0: Say that again. He what you just said up. about making room again
2: making room for other fruitful things to grow, true fruit, fruits of the spirit to grow, right? And so when we see these things from a new angle, justice all of a sudden turns. It it gets a 180 from this human scapegoating mechanism of tribal culture and eye for an eye, retaliatory, retributive, vindictive, and vengeance-based, you know, Reconciliation, it's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is when both parties, the victim, is is healed and the victimizer is healed just as deeply. Because at some level, prior to their victimizing, they were likely they guaranteed they were a victim and they experienced deep brokenness that led them to that place. Hurting people hurt people. That's just that's how we humanity yeah. is have, you know, if you look all the way back to Cain, that same that seven how many times do I have to forgive? There's a Peter that asked that, right? Yeah, Peter asked Jesus, "How many times?" Seven times, right? I did it seven times. Jesus, see, the culture told him three times, so he's like, Jesus, seven, seven times. I'm not even. I'm gonna do one more than doubling what culture has added with my Jewish heritage. It said, "If I three times, and then I can write you off." Seven times, and Jesus is like, no, seven times, seventy. Jesus is doing the same thing as the fig tree. He's going back to Cain and Abel. And and restoring that story where Abel's son, is it Lamech, I think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's restoring the story where if you hurt me, vengeance seven times 70 upon your house. That's what people don't know. Is it that when Jesus was saying (laughs) that, that's
1: what Lamech said in the Old Testament. I'm going to avenge myself seven times 70 on you.
2: he's wiping the snake clean he's saying no it's mercy seven times seven not vengeance yes that's that's god's justice because that jesus is the exact representation of my abba and my spirit
0: so this is a big it
1: shows you you the difference between grace and law lamech is there under the law everything in the old testament like bill was saying is duty it's you know it's a law we'll make it a law and all it does is produce wrath the wrath of the law Romans calls it, yep. all right? When there's the New Testament, it's grace. There is no wrath.
2: It's a wrathless, it's the it's wrath a of, wrathless God we serve. It's the wrath of orge, again, which we've talked about that word. It's right. a, it, the
0: word we, wrath has to be we, defined
2: We put that better. word back on that, but it's a totally different, it's passion, it's desire, it's unfailing, relentless restoration. I'm going to pull you out of the muck and I'm going to clean you off and we're going to go have a barbecue, right? It's, it's the prodigal son story, wrath. Yes. That's, that's yeah. passionate wrath, not
1: it's, it's, it's heroic. It's yeah. heroic and rescuing wrath. I'm, I'm here to save you, child.
0: Well, if your car is about to get hit by uh, a kid's about to hit, get hit by a car, uh, the wrath of a parent is coming out. Okay. Absolutely. Does it mean they're angry at the kid? No, they're in full protection mode and they're going to do whatever they can. So the wrath, the deep, intense emotion, that's what the word wrath or deep means. Right. Yep. Any deep, intense emotion. It can be anger which is where everybody defaults to. But what about the love being wrath? Yeah. Like, the love of God is wrath, a deep, intense emotion pouring on us for our benefit, protection, purging, and cleaning. Yep. Yeah. You know? Amen. So the word of the New
2: Testament is that way. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Let me show you this really goofy picture. Hang on. It says, why did God have to send himself down to earth to become his own son to sacrifice himself to himself just to convince himself to forgive us? Like uh, it's, it's so backwards. Uh, And if we actually uh, take a look at the, the dogma and the, the pattern of theology, those cubby boxes uh, of um, law, really it's legalism that has caused us to see incorrectly. Our lenses need cleaning or replacing and uh, that journey is difficult that's what all these talks are about is is uh, i don't like to use the word deconstruction all the time but it uh, people do identify with that word i call it maturing as a disciple of jesus that's all this is well so, I, to go know,
2: back to our last week's study and I'm not not to hijack here and interrupt Mike. But there is a, an opportunity for us to kind of resolve but i started there with these words of jesus that we talked that from one angle from a legalistic um kind of a uh, biblical literalist angle can seem like Jesus was kind of a harsh dude saying some really tough things. There was, I, if you read them, when I've done, I've, I've intentionally gone back and read the working of Jesus when uh, I think it's Matthew 23, where he's talking to the, the Pharisees and he's like, you hypocrites, you snakes, you scumbags. Yeah. We like Here's that part. Coming. And he's just, I mean, he's just, you can go back and read that entire passage. Take out the anger. Reimagine the entire situation. Close your eyes and look at a man crying, begging them to not not from a position of punching them with these words, but saying, You guys, you're you're acting like snakes, you're acting like hypocrites, begging them, consoling them, trying to pull them out from this legalistic framework. Read it from just a different emotional standpoint all of a sudden it's like the entire passage changes we've just been programmed to read it through a lens of anger not through a lens of compassion and and it changes when you can do that because i think there's an element that that is absolutely fundamentally true when we see it through the lens of the cross
0: i'm watching there was that
1: there was that movie a few years back with the happy jesus i don't know if y'all remember that or not it's sort of he's a he's a a real small jewish man and he um that play Jesus, but he was always laughing and smiling throughout a lot of it. And you know the scene where he says to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." In that particular scene, Jesus goes up and he hugs him and he starts weeping for Peter and he's whole, hugging Peter and he says, "Satan, get behind me." So he's actually getting Satan away from Peter. You know, I mean, sense. it's yeah. There's just so much. There's so much. Just a little sanctified imagination mm-hmm. can come in and clean these things up, understanding that there is that the Semitic people's language is highly, it uses rhetoric. There's a lot yeah. of strong rhetoric. They use something called block logic. And block logic is, um, you know, it's a Hebraic way of thinking where it just says you're trying to make an emphatic point in just like two or three lines, and then you move on to something else. And you may be saying the exact opposite in the next one. That's why it's block logic. It's not connected to each other. So, so the point is that they're, they're, they're emphatic with the rhetoric. And Jesus was obviously that way, but they recognized it as rhetoric, you know, and 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 one thing, you know, w- one other quick thing about the Pharisees, I, I really believe, I don't ever see Jesus calling out any individual person. He never called out any individual Pharisee. He was always speaking to group think, to, to the extent he was ever rebuking something. He was saying this group think, this hive mind that you're all operating out of, you know, it, it's, it, y'all are being graves, open sepulchers, you know. Uh, that's what he was addressing. He wasn't addressing any particular individual, because I, I, I believe that he just treasured every individual. And I mean, he called Herod a fox at one point. But hey, if that's as bad as he got. you,
2: you know, that's <laughs> that's, how, I, I actually used it. that same line. I said, if, if the worst you got is he called somebody a fuzzy woodland creature, then
0: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that's cute when it's really small.
2: <laughs> a conniving, fuzzy, woodland creature. That's that's the that's where Jesus went. Exactly. So what yeah. what, you,
0: what you guys are really doing is sharing a re-imaging of who the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. This is what everything seems to be boiling down to. And this Sunday, well, this will be, when this airs, Trinity Sunday will be over. But um, looking at the date today, this Sunday is Trinity Sunday. And I I wouldn't have known that had I not been connected to um, some more traditional churches. Now my office is in a Lutheran church and now I'm seeing some stuff. My tribe just didn't give a hoot about, right? We just, we've lost a lot. And to see there is grace and light in a lot of the traditions it's when it gets hijacked with legalism suddenly it becomes tainted, but then let's get purge, get, let's revisit these things and the things that have value and let's explore them. Like, I like this fig tree story. That was phenomenal. Love and, the. Bridge. And I, think,
1: I, I think the way we use our imagination is determined by our core motive. If our core motive is fear, then our imagination is going to be terrorized. Absolutely, and it's and we're going to shut it down, and it's going to be simplistic and lack nuance because fear always lacks nuance. Whereas if if your if your primary motive is love or even passion, even you know, uh, because I think passion, compassion, it it's all in there. But if those are if those are your motives, then you're going to apply your imagination to the heroic qualities of God, and that's really the 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 book uh, you know that I wrote that's on on the website is God versus. Uh, evil, God versus evil, sculpting a heroic theology of God's heroic goodness. No, I'm sorry. God versus evil, sculpting an epic theology of God's heroic goodness. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all. If we use our imagination, how God can save and wants to save and empathizes with everything that's going on on both sides of the aisle, and God is there. And, you know, I I had a dear Facebook friend who died today, Ruth Tomlin. Yep. And I, I posted a tribute to her, some things that she had written. Uh, but I was so, and she had written me something years ago uh, that really encouraged me. And I shared it on my post today. But in, in that, she she said, she said, Richard, the Lord has talked to me about you. <laughs> and when she said that, it just, and I reread it today and it whacked me out again. You know, it was, it was the most motherly thing anyone has ever done to me on Facebook. And the Lord was talking to me about you, you know, and it was and then she just blessed me left and right with it. And it's just this woman used her imagination to honor God, to remove burdens, to make you feel better about living, to make you want to live. And she passed away last night in her sleep. uh, Peacefully, her kids said. So, I mean, sometimes I think the battle really is for our imaginations and hell is so important. Because of all the battles we fight, that's the one that mucks with our imagination the most and tries to lure us into fear. And if we can defeat hell with our imagination, with our sanctified imagination, if we can defeat hell, then there's nothing we can't defeat.
0: Well, either he won or he didn't. Either he conquered what he say he came, what he said he came to conquer, or he didn't. Like uh, we're not. Serving, loving, responding to a, an incomplete God or a weak God or eh, he left some out. No, he didn't do that. So, this again, when we come back to this hell topic, um, people still point to Jesus' words in Matthew 25. You know, I think, I think it's Matthew 25. Is that right? Is it, I think
2: there's 23, 25. 23. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, where he
0: talks about, you know, go to the hills, look out, danger's coming, you know, uh, there'll be gnashing of teeth. And again, the, the paradigm from which you read it, if you already begin with anger, ticked off God. Well, I think that's,
2: you're nailing a point right there that's probably a great point to close on. If we start with the idea that God looks like the Old Testament God and we're reading it forward, It's absolutely reasonable to see it through that lens, right? But that's not what we're asked to do. We've been given the fullest unveiling of God in the flesh, incarnation. That's how John 1 starts, right? We have to start at the end we have to start at the resurrection at, at the ascension right and then we have to work our way back to the cross and then to the transfiguration and this is what god looks like we work backwards to understand what god looks like and then we read these things from that filter first and that's where the imagination takes over but if we start with the the law moses version of god we're going to we're going to see all these parables and and, and metaphors incorrectly but if we start with the jesus the christ-like image of god and we work backwards they blossom with a whole new perspective of 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 life and light
0: i like what richard said earlier there's there's a few words that say god is Mm -hmm. and god is light and he is what was the word we used earlier love Love, and he's also life those uh, i always had three to me, it was a Trinity. <laughs> um, but if he is life, love, and light, um, and we don't see the scriptures or read them through those three lenses, we got a problem. We're, we're sitting there is, ducks.
2: No, there is no darkness in God. There is no fear in God. There is no death in God.
0: I, f- I found it interesting when I taught on light years back. I think you might have been here in Ontario, Bill, at that time. And uh, when I was sharing from, from the Psalms that to God, light and darkness are the same. They are no different. They're like To read it out loud blew my mind because people were hearing it for the first time like that because we're, we're digging into what is light. And to know that even in God, there is no darkness. It's all the same to him. It's our perception of what is dark. And even in our mind, this is where we're dead. Like I was told that when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, we died. And we're told our spirit died. Nowhere in scripture does it say that nowhere. We're all projecting an idea because something must've died. What was it? It must've been our spirit. Cause our body's still alive. No, we died in our mind. I think Jesus even said, while living, they're dead. We've heard that phrase a couple of times. It's in our mind that we're darkened and that darkness just needs the light. That is already there.
1: Amen. Amen. And, and just a point on Matthew 25, um, is that w- w- there, there's two things and uh we don't have uh, we don't have time to go into into, into what both the options are but i will just say this that everlasting punishment there if you look at other translations it can be you know age abiding correction what one is it because it has that colossus word that i talked about and most of the english translations and aeneos does not mean does not always mean forever quite frequently it means less than forever josephus used the word to speak to temples that have been torn down they weren't forever you know, uh, b- before he even talked about them. So, so the point is that word is that that phrase can easily uh, be interpreted age abiding correction. And then and then the other, you know, the other aspect of it is I don't even think it's talking about human beings, but that could be something for another day uh, on the thing. But 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 basically the sheeps and the goats thing is is uh, none of
2: it. Okay. That's, maybe that's okay. next week. We yep. week. You know, <laughs> Go through. There's so many new ways of looking at that that are exciting yep. and beautiful. Yeah. Yes. The
1: Amen.
0: one. The one argument. Well, I'd like to close with and just a teaser, maybe, uh, is this. Uh, the argument I'm getting from people is we can't mess around with those translations because apparently, not until heaven and earth pass away, does all this stuff happen. Okay. So there's this. The, people are attaching it to eternity somehow or the end of the world. But when I yeah. discovered yeah, I <laughs> uh, see if you hopefully we're thinking the same thing, but when I, I discovered that the temple was called heaven and earth, the top was called heaven and the bottom was called earth. That's where heaven and earth came. When that was destroyed in 70 AD, and not a single stone was left on top of it because it was all covered in gold and they wanted to extract the gold off every brick. Like to see much of the fear that's been mongered from the words of Jesus in that text in Matthew, I see it already fulfilled. Yes, you can pull allegories out of it, but still the factual prediction of the one generation. Because the trick word was this generation won't pass away. So I think yeah. we've been living on a, ho- a horrible fear.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's a good thing to remember, too. You were asking earlier about where the misconceptions are. Uh, one, one, Real quick, one other misconception is there's a timeline of different things being described in the New Testament. And a lot of people, because there might be an age where there's some suffering and anguish and cathartic producing things, they, they paint that as the end of it. It's important to have a greater sense of how the thing ends. And there are so many passages that talk about at the end of all the ages, at the end of all the ages, all will be all, and all will be worshiping, and Jesus will be all and all, and everything under the sea, above the sea, in the ground, above the ground, in the grave, above the grave. That it all will be worshiping God. Now, get get how, where's hell? There's no hell in any of that. <laughs> and I just posted the other day. If you read Revelations closely, it says actually hell is empty. We're talking about something.
2: Well, hell that is empty. You in know, you. in that
1: last chapter, it says hell. Hell shall give up. Hell shall give up her dead and then be cast into the lake of fire forever. And there should be no more hell. Yeah. Hell's put into hell.
2: Yeah.
1: And Uh, and the only thing that goes in the lake of fire with them are our false identities. The things that the the branches that weren't bearing fruit, not us. We don't go in there, you know.
0: Yeah, Sure. We get excited right at the end. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe next time. As a, we can kind of catch up what we just talked about and actually look at some of the passages that are causing angst with people. And that maybe we can end the hell series on that. Because I think sure. some of those clobber verses we haven't really touched on. And that's okay because we're dealing with the essence issue, right? Which Amen. people don't believe is most important. This is the most important part. Now we can revisit those verses and find a better hope filled perspective. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen all right thank you gentlemen it was a pleasure chatting and thank you everyone for watching uh uh, join us next time as we continue this conversation wow 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 that was starting to pick up some steam at the end it's like sure put the teasers all in the back end and uh there's there's more coming i'm looking forward to the next conversation in fact i just took some notes uh so that when we uh record our next two conversations we're gonna we're gonna dig deeper into the sheep and the goats heaven and earth and matthew 23 end of the world or age um and some of those clobber verses i like to address them if you uh are, are have a question about a verse um uh, relate to hell could you message me um of one that uh, the verses that might be giving you the hardest time because i uh i want to make sure we cover some of the key clobber ones we can't cover all of them but because uh, this isn't a series on hell like a sermon series or a, a lecture this is a conversation which is so much more fun to have um and that leads us to deeper study so i i think it i this is so much fun i love it i just love it so let's say hello to a few folks Uh, we've got sander from the uk watching so glad and yeah i'm glad to be back i i felt bad for not airing them i had this one ready to go and then uh, the guys and i we were gonna uh, record a couple more last week and uh something happened the conversation didn't allow us to we got into some deep stuff and uh it wasn't recordable um so yeah i'm glad we're back on this and we're going to cover a lot more topics as we go. And I'm going to interview other people as well. I love having Richard and Bill. I think uh, uh, somehow our chemistry works really well. It's fun. We can banter off each other. <laughs> it's great. And I hope you guys like it. I, I do. I don't get a lot of feedback. I just hear about some of the content is good. But I don't hear about the actual episodes. Um, but that's okay. I'm, if I, I think we still get enough people watching to make this worth it um michael good morning uh, i don't know where you mark mike where do you live i don't have a clue um just quickly make a quick note i'd like to say figure out where what country and whatever um mike writes uh, how you see god is how you will act towards others that is absolutely true and that goes for all of life uh, how you, wh- whatever you believe about God will affect how you view yourself, how you view everyone, uh, everyone around you. Um, if God doesn't exist, you act like, it. if you, you think God's angry, you act like, it. if you think God's complete, pure love, you're going to act like it. Um, and that goes for, uh, how we see ourselves. Oh, there we go. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> now remember. Yep. 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 See, it's been a couple weeks. I'm a bit foggy. In fact, at the beginning of the program, I forgot to move the screen over so that I could, uh, I'm talking to a dead screen thinking I'm live and a uh, anyway, I'm a bit rusty this morning. It's so much fun. Um, but yeah, what you said, Mike, about, uh, how we see others, uh, how we act towards others. And that's why this topic of hell is so important because if you believe in hell as the place you're going to go to, if you're going to rot and burn, number one, if it is that place, then every christian needs to be the most loudest person ever because they need to care about everyone else and to save them from hell like that should be the the passion instead of all this nice quiet country club churchianity it's ridiculous sorry Ooh, that's that's a different rant um yeah so anyway uh, so if you have this false concept of hell in your underpinnings and don't even know it, that's why we're unpacking this, to deconstruct those faulty concepts or, or grow deeper in our discipleship and grow deeper in our understanding of, of who God is, for one. Uh, Sandra you write, writes, God is love, life, and light, and spirit. Yes. Um, I, when I was referring to the love, life, and light, I was referring to the Jesus speaking to the I AMs, And yes, God does say I am spirit. No gender in that, by the way. For all of those that are have ears to hear um yeah and uh, michael writes david said where can i get away from you uh if i go to hell you're there hebrews said god is fire uh god will uh, uh the, is the fire sorry hebrews said god is fire god will uh burning are all wrong things yeah, that's right so god is a consuming fire but that doesn't mean a punishing uh the hell out of you fire it, i think the fire of god is love i think it's so intense we have no clue how intense that love is uh, It's very very powerful i love it all right that's it for today uh you guys have a really fantastic day looking forward to next week and i look forward to those who want to join me on sunday morning i'm Uh, Live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with Hope Fellowship. That's the small church I pastor. And uh, you're all invited to join in or watch later, however it works. The family's growing. The still-growing Grace family and the Hope Fellowship family um it's it's quite unique we're joined at the hip and it's a lot of fun yeah mike you're right uh the wrath is love any intense emotion is the one of the definitions of of wrath not just anger anger is a word used to describe wrath but it does not always mean that it means any intense emotion comes from the word orgay, uh which we get the word orgasm from uh which is an intense emotion so Listen, th- there's more to this than we have been told. And if you caught that part that uh, uh, that Bill's talking about there, the whole idea of thinking back and it, the, the tree is referring to the Garden of Eden. Like, there's all these really cool parallels that we're just not told about. I, I love this. I'm 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 hijacking that one, and <laughs> I'm going to use it on a Sunday morning because not everybody listens to both episodes or both both programs. So it's a lot of fun. All right, uh, I'll see y'all next time and uh, it's been a pleasure being with you. It's great to be back and don't forget to send me uh, a private message about uh, which verses uh, you hope we can cover in the next two episodes. If we get to them, great, no promises, but it'd be great to at least to hear some feedback on that. Catch y'all later, see ya.